Hi, welcome to another episode of the True Change podcast with Prashant Goel. My guest this week is Jody Weldon, and I'm thrilled that she agreed to be on the show. I came across some writing of hers on a social media platform and was very impressed by what she had written about how dependent our growth as human beings on this planet and the realization of our level of civilization has so much to do with what's going on inside us and how of the major trends that are happening in the world, the one that's perhaps most worth paying attention to is is related to spirituality. And so Jody has some great insights about that and her work in the world is as a spiritual educator. She helps people live into the into their higher wisdom in their lives and thus into the world. And she focuses on helping people learn about the higher consciousness of their heart and their intuitive knowledge, and also in a very practical sense, how to actually access that and trust that. She's a board-certified chaplain and an ordained Unitarian minister, and she can be contacted on her site at jodyweldon.com. She is going to be holding a one-day workshop. She's in in Madison, Wisconsin, where she where she lives in early November. Um, but this is some of where where Jody's coming from. She also works a lot with heart-centered living and wellness, and what is the connection to illness and spirituality as well. So, so Jody has a lot to share with us today. Uh, she's she's been doing great work. Um, like I said, I'm really pleased that she's here. Any any opening remarks, Jody? Oh wow! I'm so pleased to be here. I was very impressed with your site also and the work you're doing. So that made me want to spend time with you and talk about these ideas, which I really have a lot of passion about helping people think about the importance of emphasizing spirituality and what is happening in that field in today's world, which it's so easy for people to get upset about. There's so much to feel great about. So mm. pleased to be here. Yes, there is so much to feel great about and, and noticing at the same time that there's also plenty to be upset about and that this is an interesting time we live in, which actually has a lot to do with how I came across your work. And I would love to actually read this, what it is that I came across and why I reached out to you, because I thought it was beautiful. So just to contextualize it a little bit, there was a, a man on LinkedIn who wrote an article about the significant trends that he observed happening in the world that were shaping uh, where we are today and where we're headed. And you, and you wrote this in response to that. I appreciate this analysis very much and have benefited from reading this research. However, I disagree with the conclusion that, quote unquote, the best we can do is take stock and make changes accordingly. This is because I believe he has left out the one thing which would be able to make magnificent changes to the good if embraced by humanity. This one very important part of human life that he has left out is the spiritual religious movement of our times. Three areas make up the life of humanity, science, philosophy, and spirituality slash religion. 
the spiritual religious trend or quote unquote uber trend, which was a word that that the researcher was using, is huge and is also growing by leaps and bounds. Its state of growth and health can be seen around the world. Mr. Such and Such has covered science and philosophy well, but he has not included the spiritual religious transformations which are going on. The great error in the crisis of the day is that the spiritual religious nature of humanity, with an emphasis on goodness, beauty, and truth, no matter what the approach, has been erased from the discussions. This is the great grave error. Without factoring in the spiritual aspect of human life, society will certainly corrode. It will be without a rudder to steer us through the rough waters that the researcher has so carefully outlined. Why? Because the human society, without an emphasis on the essence of being human, the spirit, will collapse into itself, as it has begun to do. Society cannot exist without the core capacity of being human, reflected through the human heart, any more than the solar system can exist without gravity. So that is beautiful. And what I feel like I could say many things about that, but I would like to start just by asking you, Jody, hearing me read that out loud to you, what would you, what would you like to comment on or what would you add or how would you start by opening the discussion related to that? Well, I appreciate very much uh, you sharing it specifically. I truly believe that the more we awaken, the more each human being, one by one, regains the treasure of their heart and its wisdom and leads their life according to it. You know, step by step, person by person, we will remake the fabric of, of the world. It's unrealized in modern times. We have lived in an age of reason. We have lived, the Enlightenment began, 1500s, 1600s, 1700s, and as humanity embraced reason for very good reasons, it was a proverbial baby out with the bathwater, getting rid of superstitions and ways of life that did not serve humanity, discovering the excitement of science and philosophy, beginning to put together all kinds of ideas. Uh, but the inner life of each human being through their heart and their sense of their connection to the spiritual realms disappeared really in the language to the point where in Western culture, even to say the word soul was sort of you were kind of laughed at uh, outside of religion, traditional religion. So it's an exciting time for humanity. I, one of the most important things is that people take a view of humanity that goes over the millennium. And that we are at this remarkable time where after dropping the nuclear bomb at the end of World War II, the age of reason really had begun to come to a close. And you can't really reason with nuclear energy. 
in the form of a bomb. I mean, nuclear energy was due to arrive. And if we had been a peaceful world, we could have brought it in through all the uses that nuclear energy can be used peacefully, but came in through war and a bomb. Since then, all the contracts we had, including the traditional religions of the world, began to change. And that's the nation of the evolutionary humanity. We are in constant evolution. By the time we got to the 90s, humanity may have begun to release itself from some of the old religious standards, but humanity was beginning to embrace new ones. So we're at the, this very beginning phase of creating a new development in humanity's history. And it will need to be poised using the human heart and the, and the sense of human goodness to create that new consciousness and thus a new way of being in the world. I have a lot of, I believe in that historical perspective. I think it's very important. I agree that it's really important and I found that to be a really rich response. And I think there is a great number of people who really connect to what you're saying because of openings and awakenings that are happening in their own lives and the sense of step-by-step phenomenon, the way it occurs and how we, we each individually evolve. And my sense is that, is that each person has to kind of self-select into these possibilities. They somehow come across something in their lives that leads them to once again ask bigger questions and and to face why things seem to have negative repetitions in their lives and why um, things seem to be so challenging and so they they start asking questions and then and then they receive guidance to to go deeper within and to start examining how life can can open itself to be something much different than it once was at, at face value. And I feel like the challenge of this very beginning phase is is a little bit is a little bit that the culture is so much in transition from from like a really prevailing paradigm that's so dominant, connected to everything you're describing, connected with the age of reason, and that we're seeing the great limitations of that, what you called the great grave error in your writing. And and that the ones who are opening this are are trying to open the pathways for shaping a different culture wherein it becomes much easier to be honest with each other about the nature of our human experience rather than live by the, I don't know how to define it, but maybe one way that's as good as any is the appearance-based norms that we've, that we've gotten used to. I, but what comes to mind is, of course, science mm. is wonderful and philosophy is wonderful. And we just have to like elbow in the room for some <laughs> spirituality piece being equal and wonderful. Very, very, very important. I think that 
what is happening is that people are insisting on having that sense of personal spiritual experience. The spirituality being your inner experience, that you, how you make your choices around being compassionate, loving, uh, appreciating beauty, uh, all of those things. And people want to feel that their own personal experience around that. And so for some people that evolves into being a part of a religion. For some people, it is uh, as simple as how they treat their family and how they live their love into the world. Uh, for some people, it's nature. I think that need, people are wanting to do that more and more, so it's growing. There's actually a wonderful study by a well-known research group called Pew. happens to be Pew, the name, family name, has nothing to do with pews. I thought it was had to do with pews in the church for a long time, but that doesn't. It's just a family name founded the foundation. And they have great evidence that's put out last year that Americans are getting less religious, but feelings of spirituality are on the rise. More and more important to people that they have an experience of their own spirituality and connection. Peace, you you use spiritual slash religious in, in several places. Religion is a very loaded word in many ways. And, and I, I think spirituality is as well in many ways, but, but they have different connotations. I have faith that every individual is in a situation with their own spirituality or their own religion, which is helping them at this moment. And what the pros and cons are of any given religion or spiritual path is really very personal. Now, we know that people use religion or spiritual paths for bad purposes and all that, but uh, the individual's personal spiritual development, which is my field, is... uh, People are always exactly where they should be. If they are in a religion which limits them in different ways, then that's good for them. That's where, that's where they're meant to be right now. It serves a purpose. You know, it has a function for them. And who are we to judge whether it's the right place to be or not? Most we can do is say, oh, I'm, I feel hemmed in here. This isn't, I don't feel expanded here. And I think that's the big test. Can you feel expanded in whatever spirituality or religion or, or non-religion or non-spiritual path. If you're an atheist and you feel expanded and like, great, that's where you belong. So that's, it's more the individual feeling of expansion or constriction that people need to be listening to. That's wonderful. And I'm appreciating your faith in, in each person being where they are and being where they need to be that's that's best for them yeah i'm really appreciating that and i think that's a valuable orientation a valuable attitude to hold i guess one of the things that i ponder over is to what degree do do new ideas have the chance to be shared through a platform like this, for example, that 
are challenging from a place of goodwill, not challenging from a place of judgment, but challenging from a place of goodwill. What is your opinion about that? Does that have a role to play in the process? Oh, absolutely. People, that's one of the uh, the great tent posts of a free society, you know, that we, 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 we say things that might not be popular. We express opinions. We, we accept the differences. For me, the message I have that has the most radical contribution to make is that people need to leave their heads and live through their hearts. Most, most people don't do that. They, they like their heart and they're willing to listen to it, you know, a couple times a week. But they, they live their life out of their head and their intellectual, their right reason and rational. And, and so that's a pretty revolutionary position. I'm a minister and we, we're ambivalent about whether to call ourselves a religion, Unitarian Universalism. We call mm-hmm. ourselves an association. Because even when we began, we began as rebels in America, but there were some renditions of universalism and Unitarianism in England and in Transylvania, actually, in the 1500s, all of which had to do with saying, uh, you know, Unitarian people said, you know, uh, there's one God. They didn't believe in the Trinity. There's only one God. God is one. A universalist said, uh, it isn't just a few people who get saved. Everyone can be saved. Everyone's saved. So these were very radical things in the late 1700s, early 1800s in America. So I come from that tradition. Absolutely. Yeah. Very important. Whatever path one is walking, I feel like once that path is walked for long enough in a way that it is inviting contemplation and reflection, then at some point, you become, whether you call yourself a universalist or, or something different, there is an element of understanding a universal phenomenon being at, at play, as, as best I can tell. And I guess what I, I become curious again to dive back into the initial stream that we opened, which is you're bringing a historical perspective of the age of reason but I know that you're aware of the prominent spiritual influences that have been arising simultaneously alongside over, say, the last 50 or 60 years. And I'm wondering if you can uh, help inform us about the contextual importance of those developments. Sure. And I will say that I think that they're highly evolutionary, that humanity is evolving in a way that is, you know, we don't have any control over. So I think the, the, the two biggest things in the religious realm that inform life today are the Dalai Lama getting kicked out of Tibet, 1959, brought the Eastern traditions into the Western world. That was huge. And then 1962, Vatican II. Pope John uh, modernizing the Catholic Church. Women... Women had more access to everything within the Catholic Church. All of a sudden, the language of the church service went from Latin to English. These were huge, huge, huge changes within these two huge religions in the world. 
the repercussions of those are still, you know, are going on. The ripples go on and on and on. What those two things opened up, they were a part of this incredible change that the nuclear bomb brought, which was that what used to be regarded and was the safety net, the contract, the social contract between religion and society and human people and governments was gone. And, and that the changes had, were put in motion. That's what we're living through now. It all seems chaotic. People feel like it's chaotic in a bad way. It's really a highly creative, important, good mm. thing that's going mm-hmm. on. And every, uh, every stage of it simply brings, right now we're living through a lot of the shadow of humanity living out into the world more obvious. Mm. And that's a good thing. We, we are called to respond. We are called to, people are pulled forward by their hearts, by their spirits, to respond to things that they found outrageous in the world. You know, we can, just Mr. Trump not coming out against bigotry and racism in the last few days. People just wouldn't have it. Eventually he had to make a speech about, about it. It's uncomfortable, but it is, it is what it is, and it's the way of humanity. It's the way it's always been. We've always, we've always gone through really messy times to mm-hmm. get to the next time, and we and we have choices. We have to be a part of it if we want it to. If we want it to, uh, if we want it to evolve, and we have to decide what's our what's in our heart. And I believe there's a wonderful organization called the Heart Math mm-hmm. Institute. Well. They started in the late 90s, and they founded, and they're all, they're scientists, and they wanted to explore uh, the human heart through science and what its role was in helping humanity live the human life. And so their mission is to help bring people through all the systems in their body, emotional, mental, physical, into balance. And they have discovered in their research that the heart has high intuitive guidance that uh, even to the point where they're saying the science shows the heart's intuition can predict the future events. They have lots of evidence of that. They are creating all kinds of ways for people to be in coherence with themselves, the people next to them. They're they're doing research that says that people, a human being is always putting themselves into rhythm with the Earth's magnetic fields and thus with each other. It's wonderful research. I am not a scientist, so I might have totally garbled their mission there, but I think it's close. <laughs> but I, it gives me uh, a lot of faith in my own personal intuitive belief that I've always felt was to live my, you know, live my life from my heart. I, I've made decisions. I've left jobs. I've you know, I've have had a way of living my life that really doesn't look too much like how a lot of my friends live their lives, and I just I know it's my way. I know it's the way that I I believe in this path as uh, what is needed in the world today, and I and I've been very blessed with enough resources and enough. Just seems to be my job. This is my job in the world, mm-hmm. so that's what I'm doing. Wow. And do you have uh, do you have other people around you that uh, that share these views with you and that hold this with you and give you that you can gain strength from together with? 
the more I live this, the more I find them. I think that, and that's the key. There's people everywhere, really. There's all kinds of people doing it. I find, I can find lots of people like you, people, all kinds of people, who I don't know too well, and who I'm, and I, I am beginning to call them my community, even though I don't see them very often. And even though I don't have an intimate relationship with them, I, I think it's one of the ways we're being forced to expand that my friend who lives across town is not necessarily, you know, I'm not necessarily going to find all these friends here in Madison, Wisconsin. Yeah. They're going to be around the world. I do need, of course, my own very personal friends, and I do have them. I feel like the uh, universe provides that for you. You make, a, you make a commitment to what you're doing, the path you want to walk on, and it will come to you. It will be brought uh, but it's been lonely. Yeah. I've been lonely at times. I've been scared. I've been scared <laughs> all the time. <laughs> not, not, not so much anymore. I feel like I finally have uh, evolving this kind of path. Yeah. It's an inside job. It comes from the inside out. And I've had to do a lot of meditation. I've done a lot of uh, healing work. I've done a lot of what am I want to do? What does my heart really want to do? Because I had to unlearn so much uh, of the rules and how I'm supposed to do it. Regulation. Yeah, that really strikes me actually is is something you wrote to me earlier in advance of this call was about how at one point it was more about rules and ideas and and I feel like that so much defines where where I've been and um and there's even a a little turn of phrase in the Bhagavad Gita, which is about the confusion of ideas. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because without, without the human heart, without our own heart guiding us, then everything has the possibility to devolve into to debate and doubt. It's not an easy way to operate in my experience. Another way of saying what I just said is the extent to which we're disconnected from our hearts is the extent to which we rely on external indicators and rules and ideas to figure out how we should operate. Right, right. And we're talked out of that. Men are kind of chained down. They're not allowed to be free. They have so many duties and responsibilities in the culture, our Western culture, which is what I'm familiar with. And, uh, and women are not allowed confidence. Uh, and it's a perfect storm. Because, <laughs> of course, the women need the men to be strong. The, the men need the women to need them. <laughs> and now you're in trouble. Right, now you know you've got a classic relationship issues uh, in Western culture. And if we can allow both people, because there's really not too much difference between men and women, it's that we just have all these cultural rules, to lead their lives from their heart, trust their intuitive wisdom. It's, it's miraculous. All of a sudden, it's a whole new ballgame. Because your heart will, does know the way. But you need to listen to it, feel it, and then you need to take the next step. Which isn't so easy, because often the next step is just... All you can see is to the corner. You can't see what comes after that step. Now, the heart, which I, for me, is, you know, is the, 
you know, the center of the spirit. The spirit loves that. That's the way the spirit works. It doesn't need the guarantee that everything ever after is always going to be okay beyond that next step. Security is the least important thing. Yeah. Now, what's the biggest response from people? And the biggest thing is people are so relieved to be reminded yes. they can trust their heart and their intuition. It's such a relief to people. I mean, it's, I, had a, I had someone recently in a presentation I gave. He raised his hand. He said, okay, he said, but if I listen to my heart, I'm going to have to change my whole life. I said, well, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it, it's, it's, a simple, it's a simple thing to uh, say and not necessarily easy to live. And I know for myself, for example, I've been on – on a path that, you know, I would even call it the path of the heart. And at the same time, it's like, because of my cultural conditioning and just the way that I trained myself to operate in society, and even after spending years, like, focused on on doing those things, it can be, it can be challenging to, to tune in to the voice of the heart and what, what guidance, what advice do you offer to a person like me or to others who it sounds great, but they have challenge to, to listen to themselves. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's a commitment. (laughs) You know, find a teacher it's lovely that we're meant to get help from each other, you know, find a teacher, find a book, find a, a meditation that appeals to you because every, everybody's going to be attracted to different levels of it and, or just ask in your meditation or your prayer. Say, I, I want to explore this more. Please help me find how to do it. I have had um, tremendously... Tremendous moments where I never, I don't think I, I, I don't think I would have gotten through. I think I wish I would have boomeranged back into the traditional life without yeah. the guidance I've had, you know, from the, from the person I've depended on a lot for that, plus my friends. Uh, fear, I think, is probably one of the biggest issues that comes up. It's an illusion. Fear is an illusion. But it's really big. It has yeah. a big, big life <laughs> in our psyches. And so having someone to hold your hand through that. And help you see the way, because they can see it. They can see the way, and they can help you live it. Is is terror is really I, important. I can uh, I can relate to what you're saying completely uh, through my own lens, which is fear. I think fear goes much much deeper than most people tend to acknowledge. I know in my own life, as I was stepping out. There was so much, so much cognitive dissonance. Yes. And I've needed a ton of support on my path. I've needed a ton of support. And I anticipate that that will remain the case for probably a very long time to come. And I've gotten pretty comfortable with that. But I think what I would like to comment on that's tying a few of these elements together that we're talking about is is why is this relevant for the collective level and where we're going is it's it's hard to have the more beautiful world 
something inside us knows is possible. If each of the individuals are are living from a kind of shrunken version of themselves and not able to bring forth the best of who they are with a lot of courage. And so as we walk this path, so much of our natural ability is is somehow reclaimed and covered. And there's so many benefits, so many fruits and flowers that reveal themselves to us along the way. And so we get more in touch with, with ourselves, which enables us to relate with others more harmoniously, which enables us to bring forth our unique contribution through the expression of our gifts and talents aligned with our our deeper human values, all sorts of wonderful things like this. And we create goodness, beauty, truth for others around us. It has a ripple effect and others feel they have permission then to explore and step into that. And so it feels like a phenomenon of culture change, of revisiting and reviewing the stories we've been telling ourselves about what it means to be human, what it means to be alive on this planet in a way that our horizons are much broader and bring a great sense of excitement with them, you know, rather than what can tend to be sometimes a more fear-based and more defensive approach to how we engage with life, even if we don't consciously see it that way. And of course, he's the main author of that document. Many people, they did a lot of editing, as they always do with any good writer. We, we're in it together. We, we take our steps, uh, but that builds up over time, and eventually we bring each other through. You know, we bring each other through. The more we find each other, the more we bring each other through. Here you are. You're bringing me through. You're, you're giving me something I haven't had before as a place to talk about this with someone I didn't know on a podcast. This is my, it's a secret we'll tell nobody but you and me. It's my first podcast, so I'm pretty excited about it. We're pulling each other through. That's, we have to believe in that. We have to, we have to believe in those moments that the human heart acts on. I feel you're pulling me through in this conversation as well. And I feel... I feel like you're an elder, you know, and I feel like I have a lot to receive from you. And just speaking with you, I see a lot of embodied wisdom and compassion and uh, and things that I might understand intellectually and I practice as an orientation, I think are are many things that you've you've managed to integrate into your system, you know? And, and so it's wonderful mm-hmm. to, to just be in presence and communion with you and chatting about stuff that we both believe really matters. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm grateful for that. I, you're, mm. I thank you for <laughs> being with me. <laughs> I appreciate that very much. I think one of the things that you said that was interesting earlier that would be great to go a little bit deeper into is you were talking about how this moment is is exciting. It's the very beginning phase of something. It's chaotic. It's, you know, we see some shadows 
of humanity that uh, that it often entails messy times to get to sort of the next era, the next epic, um, and all of these things tied together. And and I wonder if you can maybe go a little bit more into that and share a little bit more of what you're seeing of what this moment represents to us. This moment for me, uh, yeah, absolutely. I when nine eleven happened. I was here, of course, uh, in Wisconsin. And, of course, we all said for days and weeks after, everything has changed. Everything has changed. And interestingly enough, the thought I kept having was, nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. And I couldn't make much sense of it. I'm like, so I just kept it to myself and pondered it for a year, a year or two. And then I finally decided what it meant. And what it meant was that we are part of a great stream of humanity, evolving, continually evolving, uh, challenging ourselves, adding our, uh, our contribution to the development of the universe, to the development of life on Earth, I'm definitely a universal citizen. I feel I'm sure there's lots of life out there we don't know anything about. And so this is our moment for this incredible change. And there have been moments in history of incredible change. Wow. Think about when uh, Socrates, Buddha, uh, Jesus, Muhammad, they were all lived in that same big, what they call the axial age, huge time of change. And everything changed through the, those all those big leaders, and how the world of humanity oriented itself. And, uh, and we're going through something I think is as big as that, maybe bigger, because for the first time we're all in it together. We have this drive for a global community, which we know we've been talking about it for years. <laughs> Why are we surprised? Here we are. And what will it mean? It's going to have to be different. We can't have traditional nationalism. That, that won't work anymore. Wow, what's it going to mean? Well, and, our, and we get to leave a legacy. Think about it. You know, 100, 200 years from now, people will look back and say, wow, look what they did. Look what they did for us. Again, I'm sorry to those of you who are not Americans or um, I really love the younger generations to know more about their American history. But it's so important. Jamestown, Virginia, one of the first settlements in uh, 1600s that the British made. Those people worked so hard, suffered so much, sacrificed so much. We're at that stage. We're at that beginning stage. We're not going to see a lot of results. We just have to get used to that. We, we just have to understand. We can, we're going to see some results. We're not going to see 1600s did not see the United States declare freedom for all of humanity. Well, not all of humanity, as we know. Big, the fatal flaw, of course, slavery and women not getting the vote, but those were conditions of the world and they got reflected in our situation and now we're still battling those battles, which is as it should be, that's our job in the world. To me, it's like, wow, what an incredible time. We're, we're on a cusp of another remarkable period of evolution of humanity uh, to create freedom for people, the capacity for people to be different, capacity for people to disagree and be at peace. Yeah, I think it's 
energizing to say the you know really exciting time important important time how do we do it differently that's the question i i remember when 9-11 came along i oh golly you know of course we all love gandhi and martin luther king and i just didn't feel like going to read them I, somehow they didn't fit the bill for me for this situation and it took a long time for me to sort well what's going on i I love their work, and of course, it's still always very important. And I realized, eventually I realized, this is, this is different. We have a different challenge, and that's what we have. What is the challenge? What is it that we need to incorporate uh, into us? Because this is our challenge. They, those two incredible lit-up men and the people around them provided the light for their times. Now, now it's our times. What do we do? We have, we have a different, we have to take all their wisdom. Speaking about all this and with great richness, until this point in our evolution, it has made sense to, to really be explorers of the outer world and to, to, to grow in our scientific capacity and to also to you know coming from a paradigm of exploring the material world and there was a lot of assumptions that i see in those paradigms connected to 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 dominating nature rather than like coexisting alongside of it better yet stewarding nature and and i think that we have really lived by a paradigm created by the ego with its fear-based motives that we're about how can we show ourselves how can we realize security in what is ultimately a pretty bewildering experience of of life you know and 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 so we really tried to conquer and have this outward success and focus on status and and this type of orientation and we're realizing that this too doesn't bring us happiness and contentment and peace and better lives ultimately like there's some kind of satisfaction in that but it's not the greater deeper satisfaction that we actually long for and so i think the great opportunity of this moment and what brought us in touch was how well you see that is that it it comes to the spirit and for us to start doing this work of turning inwardly. And one thing that I saw this last week that really excited me and inspired me, and I agree with you that this is a super exciting time and there's indications everywhere, but I saw, I I don't know if you're familiar with a guy named Jimmy Fallon, who's a late night talk show host. And he's, yeah, yeah. He's ultra, ultra popular and, and he does great work, but he had a guy on from, from Headspace, which is a very popular meditation app these days. And on late night television, live in North America, I don't know if it's live, but I mean, in North America, you know, millions and millions of people watching at whatever, 11 or 1130 at night, led a two or three minute meditation. And then social media lit up afterwards, saying, you know, like, wow, that meditation mm. was amazing. And, and people are having this chance. And, and mindfulness is, of course, growing in organizational life. And, and so there's these great signs of contemplative practice, of, of wisdom practices, of, 
of us going inward to to connect with ourselves so that we can bring forward the best of who we are. And so I think that's part of why I see this moment as so exciting. And then also that I see on an outer level, the internet, the great power of the internet to to democratize and empower people to, to connect people and to share tools and create opportunity that those two things are happening in tandem is creating a lot of reflection and willingness to review our dominant assumptions about who we are on this planet. Yeah. 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 That's great. I totally agree. And I love, I hadn't heard, I hadn't seen, uh, I hadn't seen that. I've, I've been writing, and so I got rid of my cable, but I'm about to get it back so I can watch Jimmy Fallon. The dominant culture, I mean, this goes back to, um, I want to I reflect that for a moment, on that for a moment, uh, if you don't mind. Go back to, like, stewards of the earth. I mean, I believe it's not so much to be stewards. I don't believe that at all. Mm. To live in harmony with the earth. We're not in charge of taking care of the earth. The earth is in charge of taking care of us. And we don't know, we don't, we've lost that. And of course, we're the power over paradigm. This is the fault, the, uh, the shadow side of the Jamestown uh, colony was, of course, it came in and eventually dominated the uh, Native American culture that was American Indian. So they didn't know how to partner with them, how to live in harmony. I, I just want to go back and make sure it's clear. You know, I talked about male female relationships, but any uh, love relationship. No matter who you love, you can have those dynamics which uh, disempower both both people in the relationship. So it's a lot of these issues around we don't have to take control others or have power over others or be anybody else's yeah. steward. We need to be our own steward. We need to find our way and we need to be very thrilled that other people who find their way be just exactly who you want to be, and I'll be just who exactly who I want to be, and let's live our lives like that together in relationship. You know, that's a tough sell in a consciousness world of power over and having control as being what's supposed to be, you know, makes you a good man or a good woman. But that's the great, that's the thing about, it's not so much about fighting all that for me, it's about putting... The other example next yeah, to Jimmy exactly. Fallon doing meditation. That was probably one of the most powerful things he's done all year. It don't matter how many. He's very clever and he's very funny. How many other great clips he might have come up? Yeah. And uh, yeah, I um, mean, I agree with you that the, you know, the reason I named my company Imagine, and I haven't told this story on the podcast yet, is that what happens in the transformation process of the caterpillar to butterfly, which is of course nature's most well-known metaphor, but a lot of people don't know what happens inside that process. Yeah. 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 So, well, I love it. I so love basically it. in the last days as a caterpillar, it eats voraciously and gluttonously and it can't get enough. And there's even a famous kid's book about that. It eats many times its own body weight and it becomes sluggish and this onsets the cocoon phase. And then within the cocoon, the cells dissolve and it, or the body dissolves and it's just this ooze of cells. And 
in this kind of ooze, these new cells start arriving called imaginal cells. And the immune system of the old cells doesn't recognize these imaginal cells and sees them as a threat and fights them. But the imaginal cells keep coming and they keep coming and then they start joining together and then they start harmonizing with each other, literally resonating in the same frequency when I talk about harmonization. And then at some point, a tipping point comes and they overcome the immune system of the old cells and there's nothing left at that point but imaginal cells. And then the higher intelligence in the DNA directs some to become the antenna, some to become the wing, some to become the leg, some to become the body, etc. And it's literally giving shape to something new. And it's time to take flight. But then that only happens through the struggle of emerging through this restrictive structure of the cocoon. And if you were to try to like cut it open or something, it wouldn't be able to fly. This is something that really lends a lot of credence to what you were saying about uh, about the new arising kind of just side by side and then letting letting it happen naturally rather than fighting it or or something like that and i think that's the more i study evolution the more I attempt to align myself with that. But I want to say that I'm going to send you a video afterwards that may get you to reconsider your views about steward, stewardship because the the agrofloresta, the agroforest concept of agriculture is is about man using his intellect, using his intuition to take plants from different places, you put them in the earth to support the whole process, change the qualities of the soil, uh, rebuild, and, and then create a place where nature can itself deliver the most bountiful harvest possible. And it take like nature itself couldn't create that on its own. It takes man's intervention. Ah, yeah. Okay. Well, and of course, Men yeah. and women, right? Yeah. Of course. <laughs> okay. So, but I wonder why, why would that not mean that those people doing that have been in communication with those plants and those plants are helping inform them? Interesting. You know, one of the things I could say, Jody, is for a long time, because there was some part of my, of my mindset still focused on things that I can't control and feeding a certain impracticality and ineffectiveness that I hadn't quite managed to transform yet. I was more thinking, how can we communicate with people who haven't self-selected into, into a pattern of awakening? And and I realize now that like in the midst of this conversation that what I've always really been attempting to do, I, I'm very open to share what I know and educate as best I can with people who are curious and open. Um, and, I, and I do a great deal of that these days already. But what I really want to support is in this conversation, especially, is like I hear you speaking and saying how, you know, the people that come to you oftentimes are outside your 
your close network in Madison, and there were times where you feel lonely. And I noticed for myself, I felt very lonely many times on this path. And and it's almost like, what is the encouragement we offer to each other? What what support and what would you say to somebody out there like you who who's maybe maybe at a different stage in the journey has you know maybe a little bit earlier but they know they're on the right track but they're a little scared dealing with cognitive dissonance have come to really trust in higher potential of humanity and have uh, have exposure to methods and systems that, which can help them practice. Like what do you? What encouragement do you offer to that person? Well, that's a great question. Such an important question. David White is a wonderful poet, and he has a wonderful paragraph or two in one of his books that, when you strike out on your own into the, I'm paraphrasing, into the uh, wilderness, you're going to be alone. And you're going to have to light your own fire. And you're going to have to find dry wood. And you're going to have periods of being alone. That's part of the ball. That's part of it. So, because you need that space to recommit, to hear yourself think. Notice what you have. I remember I was in Philadelphia going through a major stage like this. And I, in my case, I did have a wonderful spiritual educator. I know, I knew I could reach him if I had to. Uh, I had a beautiful, oh my God, like 300-year-old tree outside who was a great friend, gave me so much support. I did have my family that was there. You know, I just noticed what I had as often as I could. And then, if I could remember to, I would just make sure I had a really good detective novel <laughs> that I could re- distract myself. Because <laughs> I knew that eventually I learned, yeah, oh, I'm in some, this is an old tunnel, just an old familiar tunnel. And I'm going to get to talk to so-and-so tomorrow, or I can call so-and-so if I need to. And meanwhile, let me see if I can just distract myself with my favorite detective book. Because you're going to have to go through those tunnels. But as long as you're committed to the path, you're going to find your way. And all that tunnel means is that you're taking another layer off. You're taking off another layer. Yeah. But you have to remember that it's it's hard when you're in it because it's really easy to feel like there's nothing but darkness. So, A good book. Make sure you have a good book available at all times. And then do the work. And then when you're connected to who we do the you know, do the work when you're when you feel ready to. So because the connections more and more it will your world will get bigger and bigger. Your connections to people, like minded people will get bigger and bigger. Yeah. And it's powerful to realize that community in your life, uh, for sure. But that's precious guidance, I would say. That's precious guidance. Uh clearly spoken from experience and well Jody I feel like I feel like we could have a great number of conversations in the future really feel it has yeah. been a great way to mm-hmm. 
acquaint myself with you and get to know you a little bit. I feel like just scratching the surface here, but uh, but really enjoyable. And I feel like I and I, one of the greatest things for me is that I'm just learning a lot through exchanging points of view, and I, that's definitely the case today. I want to thank you for your work. This is wonderful. Uh, you know what you're contributing is uh, mm, just lovely. So thank you my for pleasure. your work. So any any kind of closing remarks, Jody, or any any last thoughts? What comes to mind is you your intuition comes quickly. Trust it. It's not a special gift some people have. We all have it. Let it guide you. Listen. Let, follow, the, follow the intuition. Trust um, your body, your heart, your emotions. It'll all take you home. <laughs> Beautiful. It's the whole, whole path encapsulated in a couple sentences right there. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, it's my honor and pleasure, Jody, to to be with you here today and have this opportunity. And I'm really grateful. So um, I'm sure we're going to be in touch. I'm definitely going to send you that video. And uh, let's see what what <laughs> what beauties the future holds in store for us. Very good. Well, thank you for having All me. All the best, Jody. <laughs>